Hi, this is Andrew Bowser. And I'm Sapphire Sandalo. And welcome to Alter Weekly. Coming up on the show, we talk with Mike Munzer from the Evolution of Horror podcast about the evolution of slasher films. Then on the Alter Society, we dissect 2021's Wrong Turn. But first, Sapphire, what's up? How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, blood pressure is still normal. <laughs> blood pressure. So that's, that's, Why don't we? I have to monitor it. Now uh, <laughs> we should just start every episode with like a health check-in. That should be the. <laughs> yes. It's true though. I should just bring my monitor in when we record so I can share my numbers at the beginning of every podcast. The dark copers just drop off. They're like, oh my gosh, we're not here I know, for that. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they start talking about Bowser's acid reflux and Sapphire's blood pressure. Um, what made you start worrying about your blood pressure? Oh, because it was very high uh, okay. last year. And so the doctors were like, oh no, we should fix this. Um, but now, like after being on medication for almost a year, it's finally in the normal range. So I'm very happy about that. Okay. It makes me have less panic attacks and I feel good. What else is going on? Any owl sightings? Any any spiritually cool things happening? You know, I I interviewed someone this week who had a really cool way of looking at paranormal stuff and i think you'll dig it okay so i i always ask my guests like what are your thoughts on the paranormal how do you explain it to yourself you know like how how do you describe these inexplainable things and the way she brought up something that i had never thought about she was like i i kind of feel like it's similar to electricity and radio waves in that electricity and radio waves are things that naturally occur in nature but it wasn't until fairly recently that we discovered them and learned how to use them and so it's similar to the paranormal where you know maybe these are just naturally occurring things that we that affect our lives but we don't we haven't like discovered exactly how to use them or exactly what they are and i was like <laughs> yeah so so Isn't that cool <laughs> it is cool so along that line of thinking do you think there'll be a day where right where it's like 13 ghosts and we have glasses that help us see <laughs> entities <Yes>. spectral <laughs> entities and it is more yeah it's more like uh ghostbusters where you know there's like a kind of blue collar position for for catching ghosts and stuff like that yeah, it could be maybe. possible yeah i don't know but that was a cool thing to think of That is a cool thing to think of. And this has been a new segment called Cool Thing to Think Of. News Slash. That's right. It's time for your News Slash. Well, Variety learned that Scott Derrickson has his next project set up. He'll be executive producing Grace for Paramount. Variety details the story focuses on a man on death row for killing his wife who is set free when she resurfaces. But she may not be who she says she is. C. Robert Cargill and Cheryl Clark will also produce for Scott Derrickson's company, Crooked Highway. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Spielberg has joined forces with Stranger Things creators Matt and Ross Duffer to adapt the Stephen King novel The Talisman for the big screen. The series will be produced by Netflix, Amblin Television, and Paramount Television Studios with Curtis Gwynn of Stranger Things on board as writer and showrunner. The Talisman is one of the only books of Stephen King's that has never been adapted 
for the small screen or the big screen. The cast for Don Mancini's Chucky TV series is starting to take shape. According to sources, Devin Sawa from Final Destination and Hunter Hunter has landed a major role in the series. The cast will also include Zachary Arthur of Transparent, Tio Briones from Ratched, Bjorgvin Arnerson from Pen15, and Alvia Allen Lind from The Young and the Restless. The show comes from Don Mancini and Nick Antosca. Chucky is expected to arrive later this year, of course, with Brad Dourif voicing Chucky and Jennifer Tilly back as Tiffany. That's it. That's your News Slash. News Slash. Mike Munzer is a journalist, producer, and presenter who hosts the deep dive podcast, The Evolution of Horror. Today, we talk with him about the rise of the slashers and whether or not there's a way forward for one of horror's most beloved subgenres. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. We're super excited to have you here on Alter Weekly. Oh, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of your podcast, The Evolution of Horror, and we wanted to talk to you today specifically about the evolution of the slasher genre. Uh, in, in your opinion, what was the first entry into what you would define as a slasher movie? It's really tricky, this, because I think there were a lot of films that came in the early days that sort of molded what the slasher would be. Uh, I think that you could look at, you could go back to 1960, really, and you could look at Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and also Mm -hmm. uh, Peeping Tom, right? These two movies that came out in the same year, both about these kind of crazed lunatics with knives stabbing people, essentially, which is really what what the slasher is, right? (laughs) But I I think it didn't really become a, a sort of format, a genre until a bit later and I think you know you've got movies like Black Christmas in Canada in the mid 70s that sort of you know really kind of came up with this format of teenage girls sorority girls getting picked off one by one but even that wasn't necessarily sort of big enough to kind of break into the zeitgeist Uh, Mm -hmm. then of course John Carpenter's Halloween I think really that is where it became something. It became a template in a way because that film was such a huge success. This very simple story about these babysitters getting killed off by a guy in a mask. And I think when you look at Halloween and then Friday the 13th, which essentially said, oh, they made lots of money by doing that. Why don't we do the same? And essentially kind of copied Halloween, Mm -hmm. uh, but gave it a bit of a bigger body count and more blood. And then it was a genre. I think it was it was at that moment after Halloween when suddenly a whole bunch of filmmakers realised that this was a winning format that they could make lots of money off that would be quite cheap and easy to make as well, you know? There's something paradoxical about the slasher genre not really existing before something kind of imprinted this template. And then mm. it only existing as that template. Like, there can't be a slasher. Mm -hmm. Why aren't other films that involve murders or even a string of murders? They don't fit in slasher. It kind of takes templatizing it, but that also then removes Mm. the originality of things to come. It's just like this weird... I think you're absolutely right. And I guess, like, a a genre doesn't really become a genre until that happens, in a way. Like, I think when somebody, you know, even Halloween really... You know, John Carpenter wasn't making a slasher because a slasher didn't really exist right. then. He was just making a scary mm-hmm. movie, right? But it was it was more Friday the 13th where they sort of thought, okay, 
let's copy exactly what that film did and 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 I think you know in a way you can look at Friday the 13th as to what how to define a slasher because you mm-hmm. kind of get your final girl yeah. you get your teenagers they're misbehaving they're having sex they're doing drugs and then they get killed off by you know a lunatic in the woods kind of thing and uh, I think it's that it's that it's that very simple idea it's that very simple story that that essentially is just all you're watching it for it sounds really weird, doesn't it? But really, all you're watching it for is to watch these teenagers die. I mean, that's we with with <laughs> with slashes. It's like you don't even really need much of a story. You don't need brilliant acting. You really just need like some good kills and set pieces. You know, it's like a bit of blood, a yeah. bit of suspense, a, a couple of jump scares. You know, it's 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 often that kind of thing. So then, would you consider slasher films a type of torture porn? Because this is something that keeps coming up in yeah, our podcast. True. Like, I, I will defend torture porn till the end of time. <laughs> but I think people tend to throw the term around a lot for movies that aren't necessarily that. And I think it's because it is so hard to define. And the way that yeah. you described Slasher, I was like, I feel like a lot of people would consider that torture porn. But no one views Slasher films as that. So what do you, what yeah. do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think that the... They're different, but torture porn is kind of the, you know, we're talking about the evolution of this subgenre, and it's sort of the natural evolution of what happened to the slashers, I think. I think that um, Mm. slashers kind of died away a bit around the turn of the millennium. After movies like Scream happened, it kind of killed off the slasher in a way, and I think... What we what we got instead was torture porn, you know, what people call torture porn. Um, there's a slight difference because I think with something like Hostel, you know, you're watching you're watching ki- ki- kids get sort of killed very slowly and very painfully, and you're more watching it for the kind of I don't know. It focuses more on the pain, right? And I guess that's mm. where it got that name, torture porn. Weirdly, with slashers, there's not a lot of like uh, there's not a lot of focus on pain or suffering. It's like a quick stab and they're dead, and it's like it's a shock mm. and then it's over. It's like Kevin Bacon yeah. gets a, a knife through the neck and you know under his right. bunk bed, and then it's like new scene, and it's a, yeah. it's a little bit less malicious in a weird way uh, than 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 um, torture porn. But I think they are definitely they kind of belong in the same sort of category because. You watch them for that same thrill, that kind of cathartic, gory um, enjoyment, I suppose. Yeah. It's right. almost like this is the, uh, I'm just full of hits today, but this is the worst <laughs> allegory. But uh, <laughs> it, it is almost like if slasher is to relate it to pornography, it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like torture porn takes out all the, the scenes that connect the sex scenes in pornography. Torture porn yeah. is like just a string out of. I say that, but then I think that, but there are scenes in Hostel of people talking and the next, you know, yeah. adventure and it's movement to the next scene. It is like, a movie, but something... I think it's like <laughs> the torture or the death is more lived in and for longer. And I'm not mm-hmm. against the torture porn either. I just, uh, but thinking about it as an evolution of slasher did kind mm-hmm. of trigger something in me that it it seemed like. Well, let's just distill it down to even more of what we get out of these, which is watching people die. So maybe let's just kind of right. inflate inflate those sequences uh, throughout. There's a weird element of punishment to slashes as well. I think there's this idea mm, that there's mm-hmm. the, in at their heart they're sort of quite conservative in their views in a weird way because you look at them yeah. and it's usually like the virginal well-behaved final girl survives you know and the right. the people that misbehave 
die, basically. And and even when you look at the backstory of, again, the quintessential slasher Friday the 13th, the whole backstory as to why Jason kills people is because they were camp counsellors that were having sex when they should have been watching over, you know, Jason as a little boy and they let him drown and then the mother got her revenge because of that. And then, and there's usually, it's usually in some way tied into this idea of, sort of conservative Christian values and, and when these teenagers kind of yeah. go against those rules, they get punished for it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think there, again, there is that in Hostel too. You get the feeling that these American tourists are being punished, right, for, for their yeah. own behaviour, yeah. you know? So, yeah, there's definitely something to that. Do you think there's a way to make a... Uh, I, I'm not against the formula. I'm not against the template. I think it's kind of fun to just find new ways into slightly tweaking that format it is interesting to me that like you said carpenter didn't set out to make a slasher movie i think he set out to make a thrilling um like kind of localized horror movie mm-hmm. uh, with a small cast and uh it wound up setting this template is there a way to make um a good slasher movie without reinventing the wheel without going the meta route without pulling out to this expansive establishing perspective like scream did and i love scream uh but i also love a good slasher movie that just hits all the the right beats yeah well i tell you what i think did it really well which a lot of people might not necessarily consider slasher but the final destination series so if you think about it it's a slasher series that is it is boiled down to its purest purest form right you don't even have a killer anymore you don't have a man in a mask (laughs) You're simply watching a string of really fun, really elaborate kills, basically. And yeah. like yeah. it's it's not being it's not being like super meta, you know, like scream. It doesn't have to comment on it or satirize it. It kind of takes itself seriously, but it's so yeah. much fun. Those movies were so much fun to go and watch in theaters, right? You would you would scream, you'd jump, you'd laugh at all of these <laughs> like crazy ways that all of these kids got killed. And I feel like that is what sort of teenagers experienced in the early 80s with something like Friday the 13th or Sleepaway Camp totally. or whatever. You mm-hmm. go for that fun popcorn ride of kind of imaginative, creative ways of, of killing people off, basically. So I think that mm-hmm. is a yeah. really, really interesting kind of, um, yeah, evolution, I suppose, of the sort of standard slasher format. I also feel like the term slasher itself, it implies, like it, implies this image of a killer who has a knife. Yeah. And I think that when we look at slashers now, even like Final Destination, there is no killer with a knife, but you could classify it as a slasher. And I think like it just because of that word, it sort of frames what we think a slasher is and isn't. Mm -hmm. So like, would you consider... Yeah, like do you consider um, movies that don't have... A, like a specifically something to slash with is that still a slasher or do you just call it something else i think that the slasher is is a is a template and i don't think it literally has mm-hmm. to involve a slasher killer you know so yeah final mm-hmm. destination it follows is the perfect example as well that's a sort of slasher even though it's supernatural uh it's like i say about zombie movies as well you know you don't have to have actual zombies anymore to have a zombie movie so 28 uh-huh. days later oh, yeah. is a zombie movie they're not technically zombies mm. right or pontypool or whatever else there are loads of like really interesting twists now on the zombie format without uh-huh. actually having you know living corpses coming back uh-huh. to life or whatever so yeah and i think right. it's the same with the slasher you know there's there's you can have a slasher movie without a slasher killer in a weird way yeah i i 
would offer up this, that you have to have some kind of iconography, I guess, for it Mm. to be truly cemented Mm -hmm. as a slasher, maybe only as I might define it or as people that are really obsessed with the 80s as as I am. Because I feel like if you don't walk (laughs) out of there with with an iconic mask or an iconic weapon, it's not going to go on my shelf as a slasher, even if behind the scenes I would also define it as such. And that to me is uh-huh. uh, that's like a big thing that I need out of a slasher movie is that iconography. I I totally agree with you. I think that it it you know the most famous slashers have that icon at the center of them, don't they? Freddy yeah. Krueger, Michael right. Myers, Jason Voorhees, the ghost face in Scream. You know yeah. these these incredibly iconic monsters. Um, and uh, you know who ultimately most people end up sort of cheer like rooting for more than the. Again, you well, don't really sure. care about the victims, right? You don't really care about the kids. Yeah. You go to these films to watch Freddy and Jason and, and these monsters. You know? There was, I forget what, uh, oh, it, it was an episode of your podcast discussing the 2018 Halloween, mm-hmm. and uh, which I I found I, I pretty much evenly agreed with you and your guest. I, I was, well, I think I agreed a little bit more with your guest who was uh, more underwhelmed with yeah. with with the entry. And, and, and I felt similarly but I think there was something, and pardon me for not remembering their name, but something that the guest said at some point, which was like, are we supposed to be rooting for Michael Myers? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, kind of, yeah. But I also felt like is judged because I lo- I do have to love the slasher. I do have to see them as kind of a, a villain that I like in a weird way. But I, I don't want anyone to win more than I want Laurie Strode to win. But I know, right? It's I, a have really... to, I have to, there is something about the slasher as a sympathetic i mean obviously freddy's not sympathetic but Voorhees Mm -hmm. is to a degree yeah and and freddy's not sympathetic but he's very charismatic isn't he that's the thing Mm -hmm. he's kind of so much fun to watch it's i'm really torn about that as well because you know i think that it's if you if you if you don't care about any of your you know good guys and you only care about the killer then what there's no tension is there like if you don't care about laurie surviving Mm -hmm. then what is there to be scared of in a way and i think that's maybe also the reason that the slashers kind of fizzled out is because they forgot that that the point of halloween was that you were supposed to love laurie strode and you wanted her to survive and then when it became more and more about the killers it's like, well, there's nothing to, yeah, there's no suspense anymore because we don't really care who lives and who dies, you know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. some of those later ones. Yeah, it's interesting. Even with uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, because I'm a huge Freddy fan, but holy hell, I mean, even by the time I get, and I kind of rewatch them in yeah. order frequently, but man, by the time I get to five, it's, it's hard <laughs> for even me to give a shit just... because... <laughs> They really just dumb it down to where there's no central performance, no central personality that anchors the the, the sympathy for the humans or for the, the heroes at all. It's just a string out of people turning into motorcycles and, and oh fa- falling out of flying houses. And... <laughs> well, I think that's another thing about slashes that defines them because it's really hard. But I think tonally there's something about slashes there. Right fun right it feels to me like essentially slashes are movies for kids like for teenagers and so they have a lot of tropes of teen movies as well as horror movies so you've Mm -hmm. got fun bubbly teens it's kind of colorful and you've got your funny characters your pranksters it's usually about who's sleeping with who or who's going to take who to the prom or whatever and it's it's kind of fluffy teen fun just as much as it is a horror film isn't it and i think if you go too far the other way into too dark yeah. and too serious then again it stops being that 
sort of fun Friday night movie that, you know, the kids are going to want to all go see and, and enjoy. So, yeah, it's a tricky tonal balance. Mm-hmm. For everyone here, myself included, what are some of your favorite underappreciated slasher films? <sighs> are there are there some that you feel like don't get the respect they deserve? Well, my, and, and this, is, this has changed in recent years. I think it has gotten a bit more appreciation now but the my go-to answer for this is one of my favorite horror movies ever and it is black christmas from 1974 which i just think is stunt like it's a stunning perfect movie and uh it is it's canadian it's kind of it's creepy it's set at christmas in this sorority house there's this deranged lunatic in the attic that's kind of harassing them with phone calls and then he's killing off these these girls one by one. Mm-hmm. Sounds like every other slasher movie in the book, but of course it was made before Halloween. It was made before this template existed. It kind of did a lot of that stuff that Halloween did, but it did it first. And yeah. in my opinion, I think it did it better a lot of it as well. I think that Black Christmas is genuinely frightening, like hopefully yeah. sort of creepy and a sort of almost feels like a ghost story in the way it looks and feels. It's got a really yeah. kind of cr- chilling, creepy vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the killer is really scary and I think the characters are actually really good. And I think some of the actual kind of teen storylines going on are really interesting and quite progressive for their yeah. age. And I just think it's a brilliant movie so yeah that's my go-to answer for that and even technically i i had a hot take on our podcast a few episodes ago which is that i even find black christmas to be better shot than halloween in a lot of ways and i know um, yeah it's like really inventive and it all it all works i think it was your podcast that i was listening to a christmas episode where the the voicemails or rather the phone calls were played and even just Mm. hearing it on your podcast i was freaked out again by hearing those the sound design is absolutely yeah. terrifying. You're yeah. right. You know, technically it looks stunning. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I love it. So that's that's a really good one. And then there are a whole bunch of kind of, I suppose, sort of lesser known 80s ones that came in the wake of Friday the 13th. You know, there were there were literally sort of hundreds in the early yeah. 80s. Um, some of them are absolutely terrible, but some of them are really fun. I love My Bloody Valentine. I think that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Slumber Party Massacre is also a really interesting, really original one as well. So yeah. there are a few little hidden gems in in that era as well yeah i particularly i like the burning i know that's also kind of come around to a lot of people appreciating it um more now but that's one of that's one of mine it's a really fun watch and also has yeah has some great kills um the 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 canoe scene is absolutely amazing Yeah. yeah and characters in it actually for the most part, make logical decisions. Like, they aren't just all leading toward death. There's characters that are like, we got to get the fuck out of here. You know, there's yeah. people that people that feel like real thinking uh, human beings. Uh, yeah. Sapphire, what about for you? Is there a slasher that you've always liked that you don't feel like people talk about very much? I have a guess, just based on the era that I know you appreciate. Oh, I don't think it is what you're going to say. I want to wait. What are you going to say? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say like Urban Legends or Urban Legends Final Cut or whatever. Oh, I yeah, forgot. the 90s I was... ones. <laughs> okay, that's my new answer. My <laughs> The other one I was going to say was Teeth. I don't know if that counts. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Kinda... Yeah, that's like, a really know, interesting film. I've never seen it. Oh, oh it's great. But I know I what it's about. Like it. I love, I loved it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in a way, because like you know, she, every any like to me, I feel like all of the it was still fun, but I felt like all of the kills were justified. I liked her as a character. Mm. Um, so that mm-hmm. I guess, and then yes, also urban legend. 
<laughs> love, I love Urban that Legend. So good. There's, I mean, Rebecca Gayhart in that film is unbelievable. <laughs> yes. She's great. She's, so She's great in that. <laughs> so if everything kind of came to a head with Scream, and it, like you said earlier, it 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 kind of ended slashers as we knew them because it it exposed the infrastructure and all the rules. It put them on display. There was still like a burst in the. Well, I guess in the two thousands it did. It went more toward uh, Supernatural and, like, Ghost Ship mm. and 13 Ghosts and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, the 90s, I think Scream basically killed off the slasher in a weird way because yeah. it kind of, you know, it's amazing. That format became so well known that within a 20, what, it was 18, 18 years after, after Halloween, it had already become this thing where characters were literally laying out the tropes and, and kind yeah. of, you know, really mm-hmm. kind of um, satirizing it. And then, yeah, there were a few films that came in the wake of Scream, like Urban Legend and I Know What We Did Last Summer, but they were yeah. sort of, you know, diminishing returns. And I think that was it. And then you're right. You know, I think we got a we got a load of kind of really schlocky, gory stuff in the 2000s. We had a lot of torture stuff, stuff from France and the US that was like really grisly yeah. and nasty. Wasn't quite the same as Slashers. And then, then Supernatural stuff, I think, you know, from the paranormal activities to the conjurings and insidious and all mm-hmm. of that stuff kind yeah. of mm-hmm. really became like the big mainstream horror i think yeah after that um well is is there a way forward for slashers i guess that's my my final question is where where can slashers go from here that aren't simply remaking or rebooting the properties that already exist that are famous in the genre and have you seen anything that that's uh current in the slasher subgenre that you think well works i I, it's not even that current anymore because i think this is about four years old but happy death day felt right. like a slasher right mm-hmm. so you had a guy in a mask going after these teenagers and it had that kind of it had that tone that really fun teen movie vibe mm-hmm. uh, and it was a bit different it was a bit of a new interesting twist on the slasher format where she had to obviously relive the same day groundhog day style over and over um i i do think that the slasher is sort of a bit dead in the water to be honest mm-hmm. i think if if people want to bring like make a new slasher i think they have to do something new and fresh with it um like happy death day like it follows um mm-hmm. otherwise i just i think we've i think we're done with <laughs> a guy in a mask killing yeah. off teenagers who have you know had sex i i think right. i think we're not in that place anymore where I think people want smarter horror movies. Uh, they want to be more surprised by horror movies. And yeah, we're still getting Halloween movies. Yeah. But actually, like you, I mean, I think everyone's pretty lukewarm on the new stuff. You know, I think we'll all go and see them because it's a yeah. Halloween movie. But how much does anyone really love that movie? You know, and right. I think, that, yeah. uh, you know, I think ultimately it's because we're just not in that sort of slasher place anymore it feels like so yeah i don't know if it will i don't know if we'll ever have that boom of slasher movies again like you know we had in the early 80s um because it was such a simple format and it was one that was just done mm-hmm. to death basically yeah but well, yeah. you never know i might be surprised there might be something new that comes up who knows right and i feel like in the time that slashers came out i mean like obviously like 
the horror movies that come out are definitely representative of like society's fears and like Mm -hmm. the fear of real people killing real people was very real fear because that was something that was happening a lot (laughs) back Mm -hmm. then and i feel like now our fears are getting a little bit more like cerebral where now it's just like yeah we have like invisible things that we're afraid of and yeah just because we're just generally more anxious (laughs) i think that's right and i think like the the horror films that are about real people now are bigger they're more about like sort of society as a whole rather than just a crazy person in a mask right it will be a movie like you know cults and movies like midsummer i suppose or yeah get out and you know movies that are about groups of people communities of people and usually with slightly more sort of political slants rather than Mm -hmm. yeah a a, a random guy with a knife so yeah it's it's difficult to know i'm curious i don't know much about james wan's malignant but i know that the poster image or the promo image is like a you know leather glove knife wielding character and and i'm wondering if Hmm. if he's going to say something about slashers or if that is a you know misdirect and it's actually something supernatural and but um but at least yeah, the promo really image interesting. Yeah. yeah you never know and and i think that even if the traditional slasher doesn't live on i think the slasher format of sort of teen body count movies will still go on right i think yeah. that movies yeah. maybe they'll be a little bit more modern and a bit more kind of you know movies like uh, unfriended essentially mm-hmm. is the same thing right it's a True. bunch of kids it's just that it's on skype but it's a bunch of kids getting killed off one by one you know, very much a teen movie as well. And it has that sort of slasher tone, even though there's no slasher killer in Uh it. So, you Uh know, those sorts of movies will continue, I'm sure. Well, Mike, this has been a great conversation. Where can the Ultra Weekly listeners find you and your podcast on social media? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, they can find uh, the Evolution of Horror podcast in just all the normal places where you find your podcasts. Uh, And you can follow us on Twitter at EvolutionPod. Awesome. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Alter Society. This week we are discussing the 2021 film Wrong Turn. Sapphire, have you ever seen any of the other films in the Wrong Turn franchise? I have not. And I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I hadn't even heard of this franchise. Interesting. Yeah. I have heard of it, but I'm going to be honest, I've never seen any of the other Wrong Turn films. Okay. And I thought before watching the 2021 version, I thought, you know, maybe we need to have gone back and revisited the originals. But then as I started watching this one, I thought, fuck that. (laughs) I don't don't think it requires, well, for, for, for a couple of reasons. One... I think it would be an interesting experiment to not have seen any of the others because we're judging this film as a standalone film, Mm -hmm. which is also how it's kind of been presented. It's it's wrong turn 2021. It's not wrong turn subtitle. It's not wrong turn four or five, six, Mm -hmm. whatever. So I'm taking it as it's being presented to me. But also I was um, really disappointed in the film. So unfortunately, (laughs) I think for that reason, I'm not going to go back and revisit any of the wrong turn films. Yes. Uh, I did read a little about them, um, mm-hmm. but I hope that doesn't get my horror card revoked because I haven't seen any of the Wrong Turn films. I um, don't think so. Okay, good, good. If if, if mine's getting revoked, you got to take Sapphires too. Yeah. 
<laughs> so let's start from the top. What it's about mm-hmm. is uh, a group of friends are heading off to hike uh, on the Appalachian Trail uh, mm-hmm. deep in the woods of Virginia. I will give it credit. Uh, the Welcome to Virginia sign is, it, you know, in movies you'll see a welcome to whatever sign and you're like, that's not what the signs look like in that part of the country. That mm-hmm. is what the signs look like in, in that part of the country. That's near where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen very similar Welcome to Virginia signs. That is the only positive thing about Wrong Turn 2021 that oh, I have to say. You really care about sign accuracy. I, You know, we need to start a rating system that's just for me judging sign accuracy in films. Yes. But, mm-hmm. but to be honest... <laughs> signage and then fake news reports are some of the like clearest tells for mm. the reality of a film's world being shoddily built out. You ever see a newscast in a movie and it's like your, you know, friend is the newscaster. Newscasters have such a specific way of speaking. Yes. There's such specific graphics packages to news com- to news channels. Uh signage it's easy too. to it's yeah. With I never thought about it actively, but you're right. News reports is one of those things where when it's off, you know it's off. Yeah, you know it's off because it's this weird blend of like professionalism and amateur. You know, there's it's still like kind of like yeah. you know HD video from a few years ago, etc. <laughs> but once we get past that, welcome to Virginia sign. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> a group of friends go into the woods. And what do you know? They take a wrong turn. They wind up, even though they're warned, oh, they're warned to stay out of the woods because uh, there's danger. Mm-hmm. They they go ahead and soon a really dismal fate befalls most of them. Uh, we're also following not only the group of kids as they each uh, get dealt with in these woods. We're following one of their dads, played by mm-hmm. Matthew Modine, who... I love Matthew Modine, so that's another plus for me. I do love Matthew Modine. Um, And obviously, uh, there are uh, cannibals? Uh, I don't know. What what, what are they? What what do you think they were confronted by deep in those Appalachian woods? I I don't think they were cannibals. Right. Remember, they dress up in the, the, like, deer skull and the like the what do you call it their little outfits the to go hunting yeah they yeah for, not for people but for animals so i don't right. think they eat people well toward the end of the film some of them are eating people but it's only because they're trying no. to survive yeah because they're was the victims out of necessity yeah the eyeless people yes the eyeless people so sapphire you sit down to watch wrong turn 2021 mm-hmm. and what are you thinking as you go how are you enjoying it or not enjoying it mm-hmm. what was working what was not working for you oh god i mean so it opens on the scene with the dad looking for his daughter. So we immediately know like what the movie's about, what the possible threat is, like a little bit about the characters. But like, even in that, I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I felt like it could have been okay. I was like, you know what? This isn't the worst yet, but I feel like it's going to get really bad. Yeah. And I, and I don't even, this is so bad. Like, I don't even know how to articulate my thoughts because my thoughts are all over the place as much as this movie was. Because um, I feel like it was trying to say something, but then it would totally forget what it was trying to say and do something that didn't 
abide by what they were trying to say. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think it does make sense. Can you give me a specific example, even though I think I know, like, in general, what you're saying? Um, yeah. What, like, what, well, would it be like the fact that it set up some racial tension? It it's mm-hmm. set up, uh, with with the uh, the people that live in the in the woods, or or you're assuming that the people in that town are going to have issues with certain members of this group because there's interracial right. dating, there's two gay men, uh, but mm-hmm. then they don't really deliver on those themes at all. Well, in the sense, like I feel like what they were trying to do was subvert these ideas of like don't judge people, um, but then. I just thought it was so ironic that the characters of color were kind of the characters with the least amount of agency. And I don't know if you picked up on that, too. I, all of them had terrible, uh, terrible character development. Yes. But like um, them more so. <laughs> totally. Uh, yes. I picked up on it, especially when the first uh, the first victim that died um, was a person yeah. of color and was a gay man i thought mm-hmm. okay well so because i was thinking like well maybe out of this the 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 hero is going to be one of these one of these people that that isn't normally the hero of a story like this but no the hero is still just right. the white chick it was just still the yeah see yeah that's the thing it's like i felt like they were trying to present this movie as like look aren't we totally just like surprising you with the way things are going but then they still fell into certain tropes yeah <laughs> I know, which is, which, uh, you know, if you think about... So that the, was confusing. Yeah, it, for me too. If you think about the tropes as as holes in the, the forest's ground, um, the filmmakers were falling into these traps that... that into their own traps. Into their own traps. Uh, I felt mm-hmm. the same way. I even thought, I even thought by introducing us to Matthew Modine early, uh, they were going to... I don't know, maybe like make this older dude the main character. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought that, but then it's like, no, it really is still about the daughter. I mean, he he does come into play, but he doesn't come into play in a really new way. I, I've seen that before. The guy finally shows up and, you know, yeah. helps the main person get away. You know, in our conversation with Mike Munzer, we happened to talk about how there needs to be a certain level of fun in, yeah. in slashers and in, and in horror films. And I was thinking about it as I was watching this, that even if the victims in certain slasher movies are not having fun, Mm -hmm. uh, you're living vicariously through Freddy Krueger, maybe. And he's having a blast. Right. Someone's having fun. (laughs) Someone's having fun. To live through the series of brutal kills and the killers to just be these kind of stone-faced um, you know, even like skull wearing non presences just didn't yeah. do anything for me. Um, and it was a very unenjoyable watch. It's especially when, again, relating it to our Mike Munzer conversation, Scream kind of it put all the rules on blast. It was like, right. you know what? Slasher movies are full of tropes. They're pretty predictable. Here's who's going to die. Here's who's going to live. Here's your only way of uh, surviving. I don't love Cabin in the Woods. I've said it a million times. People say they think it must be one of my favorite movies. And I say, I say, you don't know me. Um, (laughs) Because it's actually very, very decidedly not the type of film I would enjoy. 
Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, which we should do a like cabin in the woods discussion someday. I love cabin in the woods. I think you said that before, but I think I think you said that early on in us meeting, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, and I kind of didn't say anything. I just have really weird rules when it comes to meta storytelling. I mm. think if you're gonna go meta, you can only go so far before you you link back in to something real for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like Cabin in the Woods goes to space. And I don't think it's oh, concerned. You know, it, does it link back into something real? Yes, there's ancient ones. And it all has to do with these gods rising. So you could argue it does land somewhere. But I don't think it I don't think it pulls off the balancing act that Scream does. Like Scream, it, it, to me, is unrivaled in criticizing the genre and moving it forward. Whereas I don't think Cabin in the Woods moves the genre forward it's mm. a it's a party but it's just a meta party it's it's it, it doesn't actually innovate you can't go anywhere from cabin in the woods whereas i see you can go somewhere from scream it's a challenge you know to make the movies better okay is 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 what i think but so if cabin in the woods though does put the rules of the five kids go off to the woods movies on mm-hmm. blast then you you can't you can't do the same thing, but Wrong Turn just decidedly just does the same thing. But but we're in a post right. cabin in the woods mm-hmm. world. Um, I also, oh, oof. um, one thing that I mean, I had a lot of issues, but my biggest issue is that I felt like the heroine who should have been the most developed character, there were so many weird inconsistencies. And like, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like in the beginning, you know, I remember she's changing the tire and then her boyfriend's like, oh, you're embarrassing me. And she's like, my dad taught me two things, how to bait a fish and change a tire. Uh Um, I feel like later on, she's like perfectly using a bow and arrow. And I'm like, that could have been a perfect opportunity to like plant the idea that like, oh, my dad taught me like my dad taught me two things, how to use an arrow and how to like change a tire. But like when, why does she know how to use a bow and arrow so well? She was a theater major so well. yeah. and an art therapy major. I forget what she was. It was like, it was and dance and, and theater dance or something. Dance and theater. Yeah. Yeah. But then she was a barista and none of the things that were set up about her character came into play ever. I know. <laughs> I know. And that really bothered me because I wanted it to feel, because like, when she got that idea to be like, no, Darius is really useful. You don't want to kill him. I was like, okay, that's like a pretty smart move. Yeah. Yeah. When she offered herself to be this like breeding uh, thing, I was like, wait, so are you, it just like, it confused me. Cause I was like, she was defending how all her friends are not useless. They have like um, purposes and they have jobs, but then she said that she like was, a barista and it felt I'm like how do you feel about being a barista like I right do you know what I mean I just felt like there's yeah. nothing really said about <laughs> well you're watching a movie and, and, and you're picking up the breadcrumbs so you're, you you think this information is them seeding things that yeah. will flower later but, but then when you flowered. right nothing flower <laughs> you're just like but what about the thing about the tire okay right 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 well what about the yeah none of it was like being laced in for any payoff which blows my mind you might as well pay stuff off you might as well yeah. you know it, it, there's still ways to do that without it being super heavy handed um, 
it, and I think it was confused thematically because I thought it was going to be about generations, you know, like you hipsters, this and that. Yeah. But then it wasn't because their conflict wound up not being with those gentlemen. Their, the conflict wound up, wound up being with this uh, community that d- decidedly left Virginia in a way mm-hmm. uh, as a state before the Civil War truly erupted. Because they realized they didn't want to be a part of either side's battle, I guess. was Something like that. So then you're bringing in, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in that. What are you saying? Right. There, with the mindset of a person that, I, I don't know, that disagreed with mm-hmm. with either side at the time. Isn't that something to unpack? Right. It's sort of, I think that it this is definitely a movie that bit off way more than it can chew. And it felt like three different movies. I feel like there was the beginning where the friends are getting lost in the woods. There was the middle where they're at this, uh, I don't even know what to call it, this community. Yeah. And then the end where the dad's like trying to find her and they go back to the real world. And then the freaking guy's back, like. Wildly uncalibrated at the end. The guy's back. She has a fantasy. She kills him, but he kills her whole family. So then we realize that was only in her head. So she's not going to move forward with that plan. She's going to kill him while the credits roll. Like, just nothing. It it just felt, it felt like the type of movie that is made when you're trying to hold on to the rights uh, of a certain property. You know, when they make they make like Hellraiser 13 just because they don't want to lose the rights and they've got to like activate that every Hmm, every three years or something. It felt like that because it felt like a hodgepodge of different ideas and different scripts even Mm -hmm. Um, didn't feel streamlined, didn't feel very intentional. No, gosh, I feel bad whenever we we have nothing but negativity. I know. Hey, you know what? I have one positive thing to say. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? I'll here. I'll give them two. Okay. I did like the performance of the lead girl, Jen. Yeah. I thought she was a good actress. Yeah. Didn't like the things she had to act. Yeah. But I thought she was a good actress. I was like, yeah, cool. You're convincing. Yeah. I like it. Um, and <laughs> this is where you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> um, I when the community was like explaining their deal. I literally had the thought I would totally live. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you fucked. I I mean I get yeah, I don't know what to say other than yeah, probably. But no, I get it. They they were like, hey, we're off the grid. I get the attraction to just like Yeah, all this but it was just weird that like them being off the grid was one thing, but them also deciding kind of right and wrong and being judge, jury, mm-hmm. and executioner, that almost didn't... It no, almost I felt chill like, about that. No, I know. But it almost felt like their thinking would be, oh, if, if you stumble upon us, we just... It's like trap and release. Like, get the fuck mm-hmm. out. But it was weird that, like, not only did they succeed from the state but then they also were like really into just fucking murdering people oh like well right i don't know i don't i never felt like i got any insight into their bloodlust it definitely felt like they in order it's a horror movie so they have to feel like some sort of yeah but then that was the other thing that was the other confusing thing where during that trial they were explaining how oh wow these strangers who we thought this whole time were the good guys 
were actually the bad guys because they assumed that these people that they didn't know were the bad guys. And so it was, I, I guess I was confused because now the now these deer head school people were going to kill these people because of that. So it doesn't right. make them the bad guy or the good guy. I don't, it got, do you know what I mean? Another like the, th- yeah. the blame kept shifting. And I was like, it, who do I root for here? Totally. Because we all knew that the deer head people were bad the whole time and were going to right. be bad. So why even spend time on confusing the characters and kind of confusing us by saying, yeah. no, all we are is hunters. We were tied, we tied you up like a pig to walk you down safely. I'm like, right. well, I don't buy that. None of them are going to buy that. So why no. as a, as a writer, are you spending time on spinning wheels that aren't going to convince your fake people or the real people? <laughs> yeah. Also, this is nitpicking, but if you've ever watched the show Alone, where people go in the woods to survive. I've heard of it. I mean, the way they look when they've been in the woods for like two weeks, they look feral. They've immediately like, they're wearing, (laughs) they're wearing pelts. They've got dried blood on their face that's two weeks old. But these people, it looked like their pelts were, you know, freshly delivered from the wardrobe truck. Nothing felt lived in. Mm. I didn't buy any of their world. And I didn't buy that in six weeks, the main character, another, another instance of, who do you think you're fooling? We're supposed to believe that in six weeks, that girl went like completely uh, brainwashed, right? I mean, the dad goes to look yeah. for her after six weeks. I don't know if that was exactly the timeline to when he caught mm-hmm. up to her. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, she's not brainwashed. And I'm like, well, cool. Then why'd you even... S- <laughs> yeah, it was all over the place. All over the place. <laughs> okay. So what's our rating system for wrong turn? How Science. Uh, signs yeah how many signs how many welcome to virginia signs <laughs> do you give wrong turn 2021 i'm gonna give it one because i did like the heroine's performance yeah and that's about it <laughs> i'm gonna give it one as well i'm gonna give it one for the sign and one for Matthew Modine, that silver fox. And I don't feel so bad giving it a low rating because I feel somewhat punished by the film. I think Wow. I think when when uh when we feel punished by the the film, we're more inclined to, you know, be a little more honest. And uh I feel like I fell down one of those traps and got a spike Oof. through the leg. Yeah, for real. And hey, you know what? People got different opinions. Let us know what you think about the movie. Exactly. Before we sign off, here's what's coming up on Alter this week. On March 12th, catch the shortest shorts with micro screens, featuring shorts like Dead Dad, Meat Eater, and Hit. Then Concealer on March 15th. When Ivy agrees to let her old friend Bless treat her to a spa day, she soon learns that Bless has joined a cosmetics pyramid scheme. Then Inferno on March 17th. Trapped in a nightmarish motel, an exhausted woman uses the last of her energy to make a desperate escape attempt from the monster chasing her. That's all for this week's episode of Alter Weekly. Until next time, stay altered. 
You can catch new episodes of Alter Weekly every Thursday. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe and download. Alter Weekly is produced by Andrew Bowser with theme music by Sapphire Sandalo. Alter Weekly is executive produced by Stephen Michael and Lauren Palmer at Gunpowder and Sky. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.